just to give you a little more about myself, I've known him, as he said, a while. I had hair back then, and now I've got less than he does. Um, but I have to say, I've got two daughters. Uh, they are 11 and 12. I'm a youth pastor as well. I just retired from teaching a year ago, and I needed a break. The Lord used some things to draw me from teaching, and I had been a soccer coach for over a decade. I had coached basketball. I'd been an athletic director. I'd done a lot of things with kids. I've seen just about everything. There's nothing that you could probably tell me that I hadn't seen or dealt with a kid or myself have done it. Uh, and so I can tell you, I've seen so much and I have been blessed by the Lord to be involved with young people for the last 20 years. Um, and more than anything, my heart is, I want you to know who God is and what he can do in your life. I don't want you to make some of the mistakes I've made, some of the mistakes these leaders have made. You know what? The Lord has so much in store for you and when I listened to Angela when she was up here just a minute ago and some of the things she was saying, she mentioned about worship. Guys, worship is everything that you do. It's not just when you sing. You can be worshiping right now while you're hearing God's word. You can be worshiping while you're playing the games. Some of you had whipped cream dripping off your chin a minute ago. You could have been worshiping the Lord then. But you can also be taking some things out of context and twisting things and doing all kinds of other things instead of worshiping God. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about truth. I've got a few minutes that I would like to share to you. We live in a messy world, don't we? I wore these clothes on purpose, okay? Don't look at me and go, man, what's he been doing? When he told me what the theme was, I thought, you know what? I even contemplated bringing a big thing of mud in here and us have it. And then I thought, no, they'd get mad at me. So I thought, I better not go that far. But, you know, as he told me the theme was us being in a messy world and how do we come away from that messiness and what do we do to allow God to be a part of our lives and to be involved. And I know that as I thought about that, and I, there's one thing I thought of. What is truth? If you think of the word truth, our president less than, well, actually a little over two weeks ago gave me a quote that when Uncle Paul had told me the theme, I heard the president say this, and I thought, well, there's my quote. That's what I'm going to start with. President Obama said, if you watch the nightly news, it, um, it seems like the world is falling apart. The world is always messy. We are just noticing it now more in part because of social media. And I thought, no, he's wrong. The world is not, has not always been messy. If you read this thing and pay any bit of attention to it, the world hasn't always been messy. The Bible tells us that the world is going to wax worse and worse, that things are going to fall apart, things are going to become so bad. And you know what? Not only that, but our bodies are going to do that. And I hate to admit it, but I'm 40. Oh, my goodness. Things start falling apart. My wife found out the other day she's going to have to have knee surgery. I was like, <laughs> I'm glad it's you. Um, been there, done that. And I can say I've got the t-shirt and I don't want to go back to it. My dad was like, hey, let's start playing basketball on Mondays. I was like, Dad, you know what that means. I said, somebody's going to be paying doctor bills. Somebody's going to have surgeries because things start falling apart. And I guess as you start to think about that and you see that our world is just made up of so much stuff that's going on. And I look around, some of you have seen the messiness in our world, haven't you? Some of you dealt with some of the problems, whether it's your parents, whether you've gone through a divorce, whether you've seen struggles at home, whether you are dealing with, you've seen loved ones who are alcoholics, whether you have had to deal with um, so many other things. But the issue is our world is falling apart and our president got it wrong. You know what? It's going to get worse and worse as time goes on. And scripture tells me that. And so this morning, the one thing I want to start out with is as we think about some things, first off, I've got to ask you a question. If you tell a lie, 
just one lie, what do you become known as? A what? A liar. A liar. If you cheat one time, what do you become known as? Cheater. Cheater. If you take one thing, what do you become known as? So you think about all those terms we just used. How many of you in here say, oh, I never lied? How many of you never stole anything? Not even a paper clip. How many of you have never cheated? I pray it stays that way with some of you, but I know this. In our hearts, we are desperately wicked. The Bible tells me that no matter what is in, going on around us, if we're not careful, as Angela mentioned in the songs, she talked on that last one about the fact, man, let everything go. Forget the things you're not, you didn't bring with you. Forget the things going on at home. Focus right now this weekend. Man, you've got some time away from all those things. And focus on God. What does he want in your life? And as I think of the word truth and what truth truly is, I couldn't help. Paul, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and verse 13, I could probably quote it, but I want to read it to you. It says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving. And Paul takes it a step further. Not only are they deceiving, but they themselves will be deceived. And it's interesting, who are they being deceived by? It's by Satan. And, you know, many times as we stop and go throughout our lives, we think, oh, all this stuff's going on, and um, I think this is great. This is, this is something that I want to be part of. I started looking up some statistics for the state of Tennessee. How many of you live in Tennessee? I figured the majority of you did. Good. State of Tennessee, think about this. Just in our own state, we have roughly a little over 6 million people. When you start to think about the 6 million people and some of the things they're involved in, in one year, our estimated DUI, and that's whether alcohol or drugs, 27,900 estimated DUIs in one year. 340 deaths from the DUIs. You have over 1,700 um, deaths related to alcohol as far as whether there was the person driving that killed other people or if it was maybe at a party that someone died because of alcohol. Then you have over almost 8,500 people who have died from tobacco-related issues, from cancer of the mouth, of the throat, of the lungs. Then you have 338 deaths due to drug use in one year. This is just our state, okay? This isn't any other state. This is just the state of Tennessee. They say there's almost 350,000 illegal drug users in the state on any given time. And you think about that, from marijuana to any other drug you want to go down through, cocaine, meth, and it's all there. And I, as I was studying this, I was thinking, here we are with high school students, and I don't know if you watched the news, like our, our, the quote I gave you from the president, but was it this past week, a 13-year-old? Anybody in here 13? 13-year-old, 13-year-old, carrying a BB gun, and a police officer shot him dead. Because he ran, then it, it seemed like the kid was pulling the gun. 13 years old and life is done. Why? I think part of it has to do with our, co our country, where we're at as individuals. We don't know what the truth is. The truth could smack you in the face and you wouldn't know what it is because you know what? Everything we see, every television show you watch, it's laced with half-truths. It's things, oh man, if you just had this, you would feel so much better. If you did this, it would be great. If you had a house that was worth $2.8 million, it'd be great. I saw an article the other day in the newspaper, a football player 
that had been, the police had been called to his home numerous times because he had thrown all these wild parties and his neighbor called complaining. Guess what the football player did? Went and bought the neighbor's house for $2.8 million so he could throw the parties he wanted. Didn't have to put up with all the other stuff that, oh, but why, why don't you want me to have my parties? I know why. Because the issue was the neighbor saw some of the things going on and said, this isn't right. And as you think about truth, you say, okay, why are you talking all these things, Scott? This morning, as I thought about truth, I was trying to figure out how do we define truth as Christians? Uh, I don't know that all of you in here are saved. I haven't asked. I don't want you to raise your hands. But I want you to think truth is something that if you look it up in, in a dictionary, you can probably go online and type it in. I'm sure dictionaries pop up there as well. But truth is something that's opposite or the opposed issue of something that's false. But where do we get true and, and false statements? Who's to say what I'm saying is truth versus someone else? It used to be in our country that when you realize what truth is, it came from the Word of God. But now it's a politician tells you something, or your school official tells you, or a science teacher tells you something and says it's truth. But the issue is the way we should as individuals find truth is based on this right here. And I want to take some verses and I want to look at them this morning. And so if you'll bear with me, as I think of truth, the first thing I think of, we have to know what truth is. For us as individuals, truth is God. When I know who God is and what God has done, God is creator of all. You know, science, will, science teachers will tell you that we've evolved. And I've used this a lot of times and I'm going to use it now because I believe without a shadow of a doubt, if I truly evolved, you know what I would have right now? I'd have a tail. You say, why? Man, if I walked out of my house in the mornings, you ever walk out of your house and you got everything in your hands, you got a coffee cup? You're like, Scott, I don't drink coffee. How many of you drink coffee? See, I knew some of you did. Um, I can tell you, you walk out of the house with a coffee cup, your backpack, you've got your MP3 player, your iPod, cell phone, something in your hand, or you shove it in the back pocket, and you've got all these things, you go out to grab the doorknob, and what do you have? Nothing. You've got to set something down, or you're holding the coffee cup, and you're trying to grab the door. If I had evolved, I'd be like, hold this, and grab the door. I mean, I have to, or I grab the door with the tail. And I can tell you, you say, oh, come on, Scott, don't be silly. I mean, I used to mess with my kids all the time. My daughters, I'd say, hey, where's your tail? And they'd be like, I don't have a tail, Dad. And I can tell you that as a Christian, when I start to think of science and what they want you to believe, and they think that you, that you are dumb enough to believe that you've evolved from some pile of ooze that just eventually grew legs, actually grew fins, and grew all this stuff to swim, and then it grew legs, crawled out on land, and guess what? You're here. Aren't you so glad? No, that's not what happened. The Bible says that God did what? He created I mean, guys, when you look at it, you are created in his image. I look at each one of you, and you are special. And I noticed just a minute ago, I saw someone over here. I said, I know her. Um, and I can tell you that as individuals, each of you are created. And I could look at each of you and see different things from your parents, if I knew your parents, and say, hey, it's your parents' ears, or it's mom's ears, or dad's nose. Or but you know what's even more special? You are creating the image of God Almighty. As you were singing the song up here this morning about the awe of God, his power, and just seeing who he is, that he's created everything. Not only did he create everything you see, guys, he created you. He has you here at this moment in time for a set purpose. Whether it's to find out who he is, whether it's to listen and grow as a Christian, maybe it's some of you who have never heard some of the things that we're going to talk about over the next couple lessons. But I know this, when I think of who God is and the truth of what God has done, God created us in his image. Why? So that, man, 
we can have a relationship with him. As she said when she was talking this morning, she mentioned this. Man, he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to worship him in everything that I do. I need to bring about the things that are going on, the things that I have in life, the situations that maybe it's mom and dad, maybe it's the fact that I have to deal with some things there that you think no one else has dealt with. Do you know what? There's always someone that has gone through some of the very same situations you've gone through. Whether it's a parent that has treated you wrong, whether it's a parent who said things, whether it's a teacher. was a teacher. Um, teacher ever said something that you didn't like? Your parents ever say something you don't like? Clean your room? <laughs> I can tell you that as human beings, of course, people say things you don't like, you don't want to get along with them. But the issue is this, that God is what truth is about. We didn't just evolve. We didn't happenstance. So in Second First uh, Thess- Thessalonians chapter 3 is where I want to go this morning and look at just a few verses. The Apostle Paul is talking about the church in Thessalonica. And it's interesting. I've got to set the stage for a little bit in Thessalonica. Here's what happened. And Paul went out on a missionary journey, and as he, as he reached the church at Thessalonica, there were people who didn't want him preaching to these people. You know why? They were Jews. They said, hey, we don't want you going to the Gentiles. We don't want you going to these people for whatever reason. We don't want you going there. The Jews said, no, Paul, don't do this. We don't want you going there. Paul said, no, this is what God wants. This is, God wants me to minister to these people. And got into a whole debate over why he should or shouldn't be there. And it's interesting. Is there things that people come to you and say, hey, you shouldn't do? And you know it's the right thing to do, but yet you back away because of peer pressure? And as I think about this, this is what the Apostle Paul was going through when he went to Thessalonica. And so I got a couple verses that I want to share with you. He's, after he's reached them and many have been saved, this is what he says to him in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6. And ye became followers of us, and the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, because your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Paul's telling these Thessalonians that, hey, because of your faith, because of how you reacted, because the truth that was given to you and you believed what we told you about God has gone out to the world abroad. They have seen. It's not because of man. It's not because man did this, but it's because the Holy Spirit worked through man, and then with that, the gospel went out. And Paul's saying, man, it's great to see how God works. And so as he talks about this, how did they do this? If you look, go to the next chapter in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to skip over and read a few verses here because it tells you how they did this. And it is so neat what Paul says. Paul says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance is unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated. Any of y'all ever been shamed? Anybody ever say anything bad about you? I know they have. You ever have a friend that said something, done something, and you just, oh, man, I wish they'd just leave me alone? Paul had quote-unquote, Christian brothers and sisters in Christ who shamed him, who said, hey, why are you doing this? You're doing this because of your own. You want to get um, acknowledged for it. And Paul's like, no, that's not why I did this. The Lord is the one who came to me, who trained me, who gave all these things to me and sent me out. And Paul, really, he, had no, he didn't have to defend himself. And the interesting thing to me, He didn't defend himself in that sense. He allowed the word of God to do it. He allowed what was going on with the people he had reached. 
And so I guess here's my thing. When you think about being shamed, you think about all these things that happen in your life, maybe things that you don't feel so proud about, maybe things you've done in your past, maybe it's things you've said. And to know what the truth is and to say, hey, I believe the truth, and the truth is who God is and what he's done. And we're going to focus on that in just a minute, but I want you to see what Paul said to these people, how he knew the truth about them. And if you look, verse 3, he says, For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile, but as we are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing to men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is our witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, not yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God, but also our own souls. So Paul's telling them, hey, we taught you all these things. You learned them. And then in verse 13, this is what his, his reason is. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of man, and here's his key point, but the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So he says, you didn't receive it as the word of men. You received it as the word of God. So what I want to share with you this morning is to know what truth is. You first have to know the truth of God. Who is God? He is creator and sustainer of all that we have. Whether it's the plants out here, whether it's every bit. Man, you ever looked at the stars? Last night there was just a little bit of a lunar eclipse. I was outside. It was a beautiful night last night to be looking at the stars. And the night before was even better. A few clouds last night, but... Um, I will tell you, I look at the stars and you see some of the things going on around you. My daughter has a telescope that I wish as a kid I'd have had, but I can't go back there. I'm glad I can't go back. But I can tell you, I look at her telescope and it's just, man, to see the stars, see all those things and know God is out there. I mean, do you really believe that if we brought a big pile of mess in here, I don't care, we put all the chairs in the center, got everything we can find around the camp that was loose, put it in here, threw a few sticks of dynamite, lit it, and it exploded, that we would start to see these perfect round spheres come out of the explosion. I have to tell you, I've never seen an explosion create round spheres that, are, that look like this thing that we live on and we call planet Earth. That would be so cool if we could actually do that. And so in science, if you don't understand anything about following the steps of um, the scientific theory and that you are going to see things, you're going to create a model and follow it, and not only try to follow it, but you will try to take those steps and repeat it. Can anyone repeat the issue of evolution? Have we seen it repeated in, in creation at all out here? No. You would see all these different things that have evolved, and you don't see them, not even in any of the fossil records that's there. Even just a few miles away in the, the little town of Gray, they've got this fossil site set up to the whole issue of evolution, but yet none of the fossils are anything that's in between. But it's all, all things we've already seen, all things that we know, and why is that? because there's a creator that created everything. And you know, when you know who God is and you know what he's done, not only do you know the truth, but then you have to believe the truth. You have to believe what this says. You know, a lot of people believe these are just stories. You know there was over 300 people that saw Christ after his crucifixion? Not only that, but you could go on to hundreds of other people that saw things that were part of things. But when you start to look, we have a... Uh, articles that were written back during Christ's time 
and thousands of copies of them. But yet there's only like eight copies of some of the historical writings of different people from that same time period. And yet they take those eight articles that they found and say, yeah, this guy had to write, it had to be real. And you've got over 2,000 copies of scripture written at the time of Christ. And they're about even prior to. And yet some would argue that this thing isn't real. And some would say, oh, but how do you know it's real? When you have all those witnesses, no one can ever deny the witnesses. No one has ever proven the witnesses were wrong that saw Christ after the crucifixion. And so not only do I need to know the truth, not only do I need to believe the truth that God says what he says, that what I have here in Scripture is the truth, but also the fact that when I see that I believe the truth, but to be the truth to the world around us. If you say that you're a Christian, then you should what? Act as a Christian should act. And that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. I've made some huge mistakes over my, my life. And I think about some of the things I've gone through, some of the things I've said. Man, if you'd have told me a year ago that I wouldn't be at the school that I had been part of for 16 years, and that I would be out making potato chips, <laughs> I would have never believed it. But I have to tell you, the Lord has used some things in my life to cause me to stop and say thank you. Uh, he's moved me to a place where I've had an opportunity. Some of the kids I've coached in soccer, I had a kid just the other day, he sent me a text, said, Coach, pray for this situation in my life. And you know what? Not only do I have the opportunity to witness to the people that I have been witness to for years, this new crowd of people that the Lord's brought me to, man, it's been a blessing. I've seen some of the things they've been involved in. I mentioned to you about drug use. I've watched 19-year-old kids come into our plant. Maybe 18 in here. I know I've got some high school students in here. Okay. I can tell you, you've got some kids that are a year older than you just getting arrested because of drug use, because of pill use. That, hey, they've got some pills from mom or dad, grandma, or grandpa, somebody they stole them from. And next thing you know, they're in jail. And they're facing all kind of different charges because of one goofy mistake. And you know what? When I understand what truth is and know that God loves me, he's loved me no matter what I've done. He sent his son to die on a cross some 2,000 years ago. Even knowing the mistakes I was going to make, he did it because he loved me. And when he sent his son to die on a cross, he's willing that if I believe in his son, what his son did on that cross, that I can have eternal life through him. And how do I have it? Just simply by faith, by believing in him? It blows my mind that he's willing to do that, knowing all the things that if you've ever lied, you've ever cheated, you've ever all those things we talked about a minute ago, and yet God still willingly sent his son. If you knew someone was going to lie about you, someone was going to take things from you, someone was going to say all kind of horrible things about you, would you care enough to send someone to die for them? I have two daughters. I wouldn't let them be killed for you. If I knew you were going to say things about them, do things about them, and as my daughters have grown up, I have, man, even some of my soccer players, I've loved these boys. I have coached them. I've cried with them. We've laughed. We've joked. We've done all kind of goofy things. I played in the mud puddles with my soccer players. It was awesome. But you know what? I wouldn't send my daughters to die for any of those boys because I love my daughters. But then I look at God's love and I see what he did and why he did it. I know why he did it. But as a parent, I'm thinking, that blows my mind. He did it knowing I was going to say things about his son, that I was going to react in the wrong way. I was going to do all these things. Have you ever reacted wrong because your parents said something? I know we have. 
Have you ever said something bad back to a teacher because they just made you mad over homework? Can't believe we got to do homework. I saw school the other day advertising something that they're no longer giving homework. <laughs> right. Something will happen. I know it. It's going to have to happen. But as you think about it, it would be great, wouldn't it? No homework? Can't wait, right? Guess what? I work. I have homework. Uh, even now, I still got stuff I take home with me from work. So get over it. That's life. Uh, I can tell you that, you know, all these things that go on in your life, and as you think about who God is and to know the truth, to believe the truth, but then to be the truth to the world. They want to know, is this God real? Do you believe he can keep some of these things from you? That he can allow you to live a life even with all the mess-ups and all those things to go on and be used even with the failures in our lives? Let me tell you, I was 18 years old. I was in a private college. I never went to a public school. I went to a public college for one year after I had had to drop out of my first year of college because of a, a spider bite. I ended up in the hospital for 17 days. I almost lost my foot, had a catheter put in my chest. All this stuff happened. It was the Lord trying to get a hold of me. I know it without a doubt. I pushed it away and pushed it away. I watched two or three people die in a bed beside me at the age of 18. I thought I was dying. I thought the Lord was going to take me in any minute. Had a 21-year-old and then a 70-something died right in the bed beside me. That was back, you didn't have your own room. And let me tell you, there was a curtain between us. And I heard these two men take their last breath. The Lord was using that to set some things in motion in my life. And I didn't even realize it. The next year, I went to a Bible college in Florida. I was there, I got hooked up with some people. I didn't even know what I was doing. You ever hear your parents say, hey, be careful these friends. They're going to take you the wrong way. Let me tell you, your parents usually see something that you don't see. They know something because they've been in your shoes. They were kids at one time too. My parents warned me while I was in high school. I got into college, got in with the wrong crowd, and I made some decisions that I can't blame on anybody else. I got kicked out of that Bible college because I was going around with some guys that were basically, the only way I can tell you is to be right in your face about it. We were stealing things. I say not from people, but we were. It was from a store. I learned how to take stuff. You wouldn't believe, I could walk out of a store with so much stuff, no one ever knew. Never got caught. I'm not proud of it. But someone came back and told their, someone else, and next thing you know, we got found out by the college. Man, they called my parents, they kicked me out, I went home. That was the longest 15-hour ride from Florida back to Tennessee with my dad. I think he said three words to me the whole time. All I could think of was a failure. He made me go talk to the boss at our company I worked with and said, hey, if, you wanna, if you're going to stay in my house, you're going to have to get a job, go back to work, and figure out what you're going to do with your life, what the Lord wants. That was after we got back to the house. That wasn't in the car ride. Let me tell you, there was some soul searching done. I never would have believed the Lord would have used me after that because I was, I was at a low spot in my life. I got into some stuff I was not proud of. And yet God still used me. If you had told me then the things that I knew, what I got involved in and where I was, I would have never known that God's truth, who he is, that God is creator of all, sustainer of all. He loves you so much he sent his, his son to die on a cross on our behalf, on my mistakes. The things I did, the things I got involved in that I am not proud of. And yet God used me so much over the next 
five, ten years in things that I thought, how can he use me? I failed him. I did this, I did that, I got involved with these people. I went down some roads I wish I had never gone down. I look at my daughters every day and I'm like, Lord, please allow me to train them, to get them to see the truth and who you are, not because of me, but because I don't want them to go through the heartache I have gone through, to see the shame I have had to deal with. And yet, you know what? The more the Lord has trained me, he said, Scott, that's them. All you can do is, is give them the truth and allow them to see who I am and let the Holy Spirit work in them. And you know, as a parent, I want to keep them from all these things. I don't want you to see this. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to go here. And the Lord's like, hey, who's in control here? Me or you? And I guess as I think about truth, that's what I want you to think about today. What is truth? As you go throughout the rest of the day today, think of truth. What do you think is truth? Tonight, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and how we can get to truth and allow truth to be shown to the world around us. Because you know what? I've given you some things about God and what truth is, that we should know the truth of God, we should believe the truth of God, and we should be that truth to the world around us. But I want you to see, how is it we get to all that? And I think, man, our world's messy, isn't it? How many of you are hurting in here? How many of you have ever gone through something and your heart, you just, you're like, people don't know what I'm going through, Scott. Some of you don't want to raise your hand. That's fine. But I know this. Every one of you at some point or other, whether now, years ago, or sometime in the future, you will have be hurting because of things you've gone through. And you know what? I know the creator and sustainer fall. He loves you no matter what you've done. He wants to be a part of your life. But you know what? He wants you to know he is willing. He is so willing to be a part of your life. He sent his son to die on a cross. Not because of anything we've done, but because he wants his creation, that's us, to be involved in a relationship with him. And he loves us that much. Man, bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. How many of you this morning say, Brother Scott, I hear what you're saying, and I really don't understand this issue of who God is. Would you slip your hand up and say, I'm not for sure if I died today that I would... I would understand who God is and what he's done in my life. Just slip your hand up and put it down. Okay. How many of you say, Scott, I know who God is, and I know that if I were to die today, I'd know where i go. Put your hand up. Excellent. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you know the hearts in this room. By uplifting hand, Lord, I believe the majority in this room know who you are. I pray that you would just use your word that over the next few hours the evening tonight with their their own personal devotion time with the cabins that whatever it is lord that you would use your word to speak to them i thank you lord for the the ability we have to come here and gather together and share your word lord to talk about how awesome you are the things you so graciously give us in such a messed up country in such a messed up world and yet we know that you love us and you sent your son to die on a cross for us. I pray, Lord, that you would bless these young people. Help them have fun as they go out now, Lord, as they eat lunch and get prepared for all the goofiness that's in front of them, that they realize they can enjoy life and still have fun doing it, even with all the things going on around them. Bless us now in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen.